What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Skies podcast and channel. I'm your host, Tony Massad. In this week's episode, we have a very special guest. Uh, he's an old friend of mine, and he's also a new podcaster. He's Anthony Ozzy. He's the host of So-Called Discoveries, a podcast that discusses stories, knowledge, and insights from somewhere in an attempt to learn something. He's also a software engineering consultant that works with teams and individuals to define, design, and deliver their software projects. Anthony, it's awesome to have you on, brother. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. Thank you for having me on. I've been listening to your podcast for some time now, so it's pretty cool to be on here and to talk about my own. Yeah, of course. Um, so, so Anthony, like, just tell me, like, let's hear your life story. I've actually never asked you this question. Um, like as a friend, but like, what's your life story from the moment you were born until literally this interview right now? All right. All right. Uh, yeah. So some of it, some of it you will be familiar with just cause you know, you know, I, I come from an, inter, uh, an immigrant background, you know, an immigrant family. I was born and raised in this country, but, uh, everyone in the generation above me is from Lebanon and they're, they're either still there or they moved to the U S or some other country. Um, you know, growing up as a kid, I was, uh, you know, I had a lot of friends and, you know, family was important and everything. And I was a hard worker and I was smart, but I was also, uh, pretty insecure and anxious as a kid. And I, I thought a lot about how others were perceiving me and, you know, just that, that, that affected a lot of my actions and my choices and, and how I behaved was just thinking a lot about like, how are, how are other people going to think about me doing this or, or, or me saying this thing or acting in this way? Um, so it was, it was kind of from a, a lot of that came from a place of, uh, insecurity and I was worried and nervous a lot as a kid. And I, I started to get confidence from a few different, from, uh, sort of a few different things, I guess. One, one was I figured out I could make people laugh. That gave me some confidence. But then the other main thing was that's probably one of the most formative experiences of my life is the fact that I was, uh, on the wrestling team in high school that taught me really, that taught me a lot of important lessons, um, uh, of like discipline and, and pushing yourself and pain and discomfort. And just that, you know, that, that the mental is, is above the physical and you can go much further than, than you think you're capable of. Um, and so, yeah, so that, that gave me a lot of confidence as well. And I, I was able mm. to improve a lot over four. Yeah. Sorry. Did you say something? Yeah, I'm still listening. Yeah, I heard uh, you, you mentioned you were on the wrestling team. Uh, you yeah. mentioned that, you know, growing up, you figured you could make people laugh, kind of gave you some confidence. Yeah, there. yeah. Sorry. I, I, yeah, I thought you said something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was, on, I was on the wrestling team, and I improved a lot over four years, ended up as the captain of the team, and that really, like, shaped my mindset a lot going into the professional world and into college and everything like that. So from there, I went to, to Wayne State. I uh, studied um, computer science and math, and that's kind of where we got to know each other a little bit more uh, was, was through that uh, undergrad experience. And so, yes, yeah, so I've been living in Detroit since then. I, I really like Detroit, and I've been working for the most of that time. I've been working in software engineering consulting roles, um, so client-facing roles that require a solid uh, blend of technical ex expertise and the ability to design and build technical systems, as well as the ability to work with clients, both technical and non-technical to facilitate the projects and understand what needs to be done. 
Um, and I've worked with a lot of a, a pretty broad variety of clients in a lot of different industries from the automotive, um, automotive industry to healthcare, to, um, you know, uh, the insurance companies to, um, you know, retail education, energy, a lot of different clients, uh, and that I worked with, uh, implementing software products for doing front end development, UI, UX design, um, and then as well, a lot of the, a lot, most of what I ended up doing was backend development, working with data and databases and business intelligence and, and just making use of the data and various integrations between systems and whatnot. Um, and I basically, I, I got a lot of, um, a relative high amount of success and achievement purely from the career standpoint. And I was doing really well. Um, and, but the, 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 the problem was I had sort of worked myself into a position where, um, I viewed my career. I viewed, basically I viewed the world through the lens of my career. And, uh, when my career, when I was perceiving that my career was going well and I was satisfied with my career, uh, I was doing, I was like on a high, I was doing really well, but what would inevitably happen is I would sort of start to get bored and not, and, and not able to achieve all of the meaning that I wanted in my life out of my jobs. And the way that I interpreted is that is that I was in the wrong job, so I needed to try something else. So I, I, I ended up, since I've graduated, which was in 2016, uh, since I've graduated college, I've changed jobs kind of frequently. Um, you know, I, I've done well in each of my jobs, and each, each of the jobs has been like a better job, a better paying job, a better title. Um, but I eventually... Uh, yeah, I eventually began to realize that I wasn't able to, I wasn't going to find the meaning that I was looking for purely from these jobs. And that this really just had to be, if it was going to be something from a career you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Right. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, yeah. I was going to have to focus on other parts of my life. And I, I was confronted with the fact that although I had a lot of external measures of success from my career, in terms of my income and, and my, my ability to just do well and positive feedback that I was getting my personal relationships and my health and my, both my mental and my physical health were suffering because I was putting everything that I had investing everything that I had into my career. And I was completely neglecting everything else. And when things weren't going well for me mm. from a mental perspective or, or, or otherwise, I, my answer was that was, oh, I just have to dive deeper into my career. It's like, that's where the answer is. That, that's what I thought. And, uh, that turned out not to be the case. And, um, I ended up in a place of pretty poor health. I was overweight. Um, my, you know, my mental and physical health were not good. I was anxious and depressed a lot. My sleep was erratic and inconsistent. My diet yeah. was probably as, as bad as it could be like awful, awful, um, diet, um, I wasn't, I wasn't keeping up with my personal relationships. Uh, they were all, they were all suffering. Uh, and yeah, so I, I was yeah. really, I had external success and I had internal misery and, and eventually it's sort of earlier this year, basically at the beginning of this year in January, I was sort of, after I had just recently started a new job, uh, it was probably like on paper, it was the best job that I'd ever had. It was more money than I'd ever made. And it was the best title that I've ever had. Um, but I was still miserable and it wasn't usually I would start a new job and I get about a year of runway 
before I start to have those itching feelings of like, why isn't this solving my problems? This time it happened pretty quickly. Mm. Um, it happened way quicker than that. And I, I ended up quitting that job. Um, well, after, sorry. Do you mind, you mind me asking like what, yeah. Do you mind me asking like what job was that, that you were doing that you said the most kind of recent like one? you're putting all your time in and the, or yeah. like, or any of them. Yeah, they're all, um, they're all like software engineering consulting roles. So, so it's, it's basically, it's, we work with, uh, I, I would work with clients to, uh, go through an entire process of the project. And that, that's like the entire software engineering life cycle from beginning with like, what are the requirements to going through the design? Um, so there's a heavy consulting aspect of it, of meeting with people and understanding the problems and understanding how their business works and, and what we need to solve for them. And then getting into the actual design and implementation and testing and deployment of the software project. Um, so the most recent role that I was just talking about was uh, a solution architect role. And um, that was, that was, um, that was a role in which I had been, um, basically it took to, it, it, it sought to leverage all of the experience that I had working with many different types of clients from many different industries. And it put me in a position to be a, a liaison between, and instead of working directly with clients, I was going to be a liaison between other consultants and other teams working with clients and, um, and the, the product team and, 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 the marketing team in some ways. So it was like, it was a fairly significant and, and exciting role and, and one that on paper I actually am a great fit for and, and was, um, was very excited about. Um, but I got into it for all the wrong reasons. It was, like I said, it was just further like pushing myself into trying to find, um, meaning from that, from, from, from my, from a job, from getting a paycheck from somebody else. I was, that was, yeah. I thought that I was, I thought that me getting a paycheck from somebody else and the work that I was doing was going to, I don't know. I don't even know what I was looking for. I was looking for happiness. I was looking for meaning and it. I wasn't going to find it there. And like I said, I, I quit that job after I, I wasn't, I was, I really wasn't there for, for very long. Um, it was, it, you know, I, I, I quit that job, uh, because I, couldn't, I quite literally couldn't get myself to perform in the way that I knew that I needed to. Um, it just, because what happened was I was, I finally had been, I finally confronted the fact that I was making all of my decisions and I was living my life in a way where I was thinking about everyone else, but myself. I was thinking about what other people thought of me. I was thinking about yeah. what other people felt like I should be doing whether it was my parents, like I mentioned, I have an immigrant background. It's like, I, I know that the opportunities that I have are so much greater than the opportunities that my parents had, and which are so much greater than the opportunities that their parents had. So, um, you know, I, I was, I was doing things that I thought I should be doing, that I thought I was supposed to be doing, not the things that I actually wanted to be doing. And once I was confronted with the fact that you are miserable because you are afraid of how people perceive you, you, that is the source of your misery. It's because you're making your actions, you're making your decisions for everybody else as opposed to you. Once I realized that it was like something just changed, something, something, something happened, something clicked in my brain. And it was a long time coming, but it was like, it was kind of, it was really a snap moment where it was like, I can't, 
I can't do this. Like this was, this was a mistake. And like I said, I couldn't, I got myself to the point where I couldn't, I wasn't performing in the role in the way that I knew I should be. And it was because I, 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 the, I, the only way that I can explain it is my body and my mind were not letting me perform. I couldn't focus. I couldn't get myself to sit still. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, you know, the only, if, if I wasn't like actively engaged in a conversation with somebody, I found it very hard to do my work. I would get severe anxiety and, uh, and panic attacks where, where, when I would, when I would, because it was something, my mm -hmm. mind was basically screaming, telling me like these, the answers are not here. You're going deeper and deeper into the, not that there's anything wrong with this company or this job or these people, by the way, it, it's, it's a great company. I love that company. I love the people there. And, um, and the job was great. It's not that at all. It was just that I was seeking something that that was not going to be able to provide me. And once I finally realized that, yeah. and I realized that that was the source of my misery. I, in somewhat of a dramatic fashion, because I was, I was not there for very long and I had just been put in this great role. Um, I quit and that was towards the beginning of this year. And, um, I quit without a plan to like, I, I didn't have another job lined up. Um, I quit because I to, to intentionally to focus on my health and my well being, mental and physical health. Uh, I, I dove deep into exercise and diet. Um, you know, I went from, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm in the best shape of my life, but I'm, I'm pretty dang close. Uh, I've, uh, you know, especially if you compare me to what I was about a year ago, my diet is a lot better now. Uh, I'm focusing on things that have always been important to me more like meditation and journaling. Uh, and then all of that led to the most important thing, which is I committed myself to something that I've been wanting to do for years and that's something that is, that is truly for me and something that I've truly actually want to be doing that is, that is, that I'm passionate about. And that's that I started my own podcast called, uh, so-called discoveries. And I started that, um, this year as well. Um, and that's, that's been a great experience and, uh, I'm not done with software engineering by any means or, or with consulting or anything like that. But I, uh, this, for me, this was like, this was definitely the right decision to take some time to focus on myself and my improvement and actually thinking about what I want my life to be and how am I going to yeah. design that, the life that I want and what are my priorities? I love that, man. I'm really proud of you, brother, for putting yourself first and, just kind of like quitting and, and just, you know, going after what you want. I feel like a lot of people are in that situation. Um, the last guest I had on here last Saturday, um, really good guy, really insightful podcast. Um, he was saying like, you know, he's an engineering background as well. And, you know, he got so many job offers that were like, you know, way more than his current job, double to three times his current salary. And he was just like, trying to perform. However, his, his mind and his body were just not in sync and he just couldn't perform because those two were not communicating. It's like, you know, you know, you have to do the work, but if you're not feeling it, uh, it's going to be like just pulling your hair out, pulling teeth out to, to get anything done. I really respect that. And, uh, I see you on Instagram and you look great, bro. Like I'm proud of you. I remember, um, back in the DA, DAI days, um, 
So if anyone listening doesn't know, but <laughs> there was a student organization at Wayne State um, at Detroit Aircraft Corp. And there's a picture from, I think it was like 2015 or 2016. And we're all lined up in front of the uh, drones. And Anthony and, and me are in that photo from like, I don't know, like six, seven years ago. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it must have been it must have been 2015 or 16 somewhere around then. Yeah. 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 I'm that proud was of you. That... so. Like. Um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that was a that was a fun experience. That was for me. It was like uh, I wasn't there for a lot of it, but I definitely I I popped in and uh, I was it was a great group of guys and like everybody was it's just I like being around people that are uh, that are just there to just do something because they care about it and they want to do you know they want to build things and they want to create and uh, they're there to just do cool things. I, I appreciate that environment. Yeah, hundred percent. Still talk to those guys till this day. Um, yeah. And Anthony, uh, I checked out your podcast, man. Like, very nice work. I love the topics. I listened to the um, the effective executive. That one really opened my eyes. I was just at work one day, and you know, I, I saw you on LinkedIn. Like, oh, you know, new episode, and I I think I just clicked on the first available link that I saw on Spotify. Uh, really good. Can you talk about, um, let's just say some of your episodes, let's start with, uh, the effective executive and then move on to the other ones. Sure. Yeah. So that's, um, that's a really important book to me. It's the effective executive was written by Peter F. Drucker. You might be familiar with him. He's a extremely prolific business offer author. He's written a lot of books. Uh, and he's received a lot of wide praise from many people. Um, the the book, The Effective Executive, is one of his well-known books. If you're watching the video, I will put the book right here. Yeah, and, you can go ahead and present it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So that's that's and that book is really about managing yourself for effectiveness. And the subtitle for it is the definitive guide to getting the right things done. And in that book, he breaks down effectiveness into five practices. And those practices are managing your time, choosing your contributions, building on your strengths, focusing on priorities, and uh, making effective decisions. And so in the episode on the effective executive, which is episode two, that episode breaks down all of those all the principles from those those five practices and gives examples from the book as well as uh, some of my my own thoughts as, as well. And then in episode three, which is the one immediately after that, that one I take a little bit more of a personal approach to it as well. Where Whereas in episode two, it was fairly impersonal. I focused on the actual content in the book. In episode three, I focused on how did I apply the concepts from the book to my own life uh, and I talk about examples from my own work experience uh, in software development and consulting. Like I said earlier, uh, I, I talk about examples from them about how my experience relates to what I've read from the book and how I've applied different principles from it as well. So yeah, those are episodes two and three of my podcast, so-called discoveries. And yeah, the book is, the book is highly important. And that, that book actually, funny enough, that book 
set me on the path that actually inspired me to start my podcast. I, like I said, I've wanted to start a podcast for years, um, for a long time since I started listening to podcasts, uh, in 2016 or 2015, one of those. And, um, I started reading this book, the effective executive earlier this year at the same point in time where, like I mentioned, I had quit my job. I was focusing on myself. I was focusing on my, my mental and physical health and my discipline and just sort of redesigning my life. Um, and I picked up that book and I knew that I had wanted to start a podcast, but I was struggling with the ideation concept. I was, I was struggling. What's, what's the podcast actually going to be about? And then when I read that book, it just, I was, it just, something just sort of clicked where it was like, well, I mean, I guess you could talk about this book, you know? So that, that, that sort of, that was just literally just a random thing. It's like, there's good information here. You could, you could read this book and understand this book and then break some of the concepts down and make a podcast about it or a podcast episode about it. And that was sort of the initial formulation of obviously my podcast is not about the, just about the book, but that was the initial inspiration for me actually starting the podcast. That was the first practical idea that I had for it I was like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. And so that's how I started it. And, uh, yeah, like I said, episode two is about the concepts within it. And then episode three is about how I've applied them in my life. Yeah, I like it. I really enjoyed the part, um, when you talked about the tax accountant, um, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier online, but how the tax accountant isn't really like the most social guy. Um, and he, you know, he may not like talking to people too often. And I, I like saw a lot of myself in that because, um, like I work, you know, I work in the business. I, I, I won't say where I work, but, um, and like, I'm a simulation engineer and I really don't need to talk to anyone much. Um, it's kind of like I'm handed the parameters, of the project, and I just have to kind of, you know, build the finite element model. And I really don't enjoy interfacing too much with people. Um, not that I don't like people. It's just, um, I don't know. Small talk is very hard for me. I don't enjoy it too much. I think it's kind of pointless for the most part. And I just like working remote um, and kind of tucked away and hidden um, and working for a big company and just doing my work and then delivering and then not having to interact with the general public or other people too often and just easier for me. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. And that's, and that's really a big concept from the book is um, focusing on your strengths and building on your strengths. Right. And so like you brought up the example of the tax accountant, in that specific example that we talked about, that tax accountant, his strength is in being a tax accountant. He's he's really good at all of those skills that are involved. And he's not focusing on or he's not he's not as skilled in communications. So you're not gonna put him into in a role in which he's gonna have yeah. to focus on those types of communications with people. You put him in a role in which the emphasis is on tax accounting. Similarly for you. You're, you know, you, you like being in a, in a position where you get to do your technical work, your simulation engineering. I'm sure that whoever you report to, uh, whoever you relate to in your hierarchy of your organization is aware of that. I'm sure you've had those types of conversations or, or they're, they're at least familiar with it. So they're not going to put you in situations unless it's absolutely necessary in which you're forced to, um, you're forced to have a main part of your contribution be communicating with people. One, because it's not your interests. And two, because, because it's not your interests, it's probably not your greatest strength either. 
But versus for me, for example, I'm yeah. a little bit different. And, and I like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead with, no, I was going to say with, with like, you know, give us, give us an example like that uh, works with you, like of yourself. Right. Yeah. So for, for me, it's when I focus on my strengths and I build on my strengths, it's a little bit different because I, I really enjoy interacting with people. Right. I, I like, um, and I like doing it through a professional, um, for, through, through a professional lens. I like, I like leading a room, for example, uh, in a meeting. I like, I like presenting. I like doing proposals. I, I like asking questions and figuring out the answers to things. That's a big part of what I enjoy, which is why since I graduated college, the roles that I've gravitated towards have been consulting type roles, client facing roles. And one of the important things is, like I said, I've worked at a lot of different companies in a lot of different types of jobs. So I've been in a lot of opportunities where I've been interviewed and I've had to sell myself and convince people that I was a good choice. Um, and one of the important things is when you are, when you're understanding and focusing on your strengths and building on your strengths is that you have to be responsible for understanding what they are, what your strengths are. And you have to be responsible for, for positioning yourself to be able to build on your strengths, right? So whenever I was looking for a role, I was always very clear in the interview process and what we you know, working with the recruiter. And, and even after I got hired during the onboarding process, meeting my manager, meeting my teammates, I made it very clear what my strengths were, the things that I do well, because they don't know me. I mean, sure. They interviewed me, but maybe the people that I'm working with, aren't the people that interviewed me. And even then, how much do you really learn about somebody just from an interview? Right? So it, I, I would always communicate that my strengths are a hybrid of the technical execution skills, as well as the consulting and the communication skills. I'm not going to do, that's where I'm going to provide the most value. If you put me in a role that's only technical, where I'm only implementing code, I'll do fine, but it's not going to be the best. If you put me in a role where I'm only doing consulting or like project management, and it's not technical, I'm not going to do the best. I'll do fine, but I'm not going to do the best. You're going to get the most value out of me. If you put me in a role in which I have to do a balance of those two things. So it's all about understanding it for yourself and then clearly yeah. communicating it and then actively working to, to make your reality, you know, more in line with what your strengths are. Yeah. hundred percent. You it's, it's, I always hear crap like, uh, Oh, you know, work on your weaknesses. And I'm like, I'm like, why would you work on your weaknesses? I mean, you know, understand what your weaknesses are for sure. Acknowledge them. But like, if you have strengths, just, you know, double dip on your strengths and use those, um, yeah. you know, trying to make a fish climb a tree, um, you know, that might be difficult. I don't know how long it'll take, but, you know, just have the fish swim. And then for me, looking at the whole value perspective of why you would want to do that to your employees is, well, you get more value out of your employees then now the company um, has more and better output, um, increased productivity, increased profit, increased shareholder value, increased satisfying um, and meeting that vision and, and achieving goals and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Op opportunities. This is another important concept from the book. Opportunities come from exploiting strengths, not covering up your weaknesses. Covering up your weaknesses can be thought of more as like solving problems and building on your strengths, exploding your exploiting your strengths. 
that's how you go after opportunities. And one of the things that the book goes over is that uh, opportunities is thinking about the future and that's how you create value. And that's where you get results. Solving problems is thinking about the past uh, because problems that you have today are a result of things that happened in the past. So now, of course, like you said, you, ha- you can't ignore the weaknesses. You have to be aware of your weaknesses. And there are times where you have to solve problems. Obviously we're engineers, but solving problems is a big part of what we do, but opportunities are about strengths and the future. And problems are more about weaknesses in the past. So it's important to be able to distinguish between those two. Yeah, hundred percent. So Anthony, like what, you know, the content that you're consuming and reading, like how, like how did you know, or like, why are, why were you interested in reading those books? And also like, you know, what inclined you to want to start the podcast? Like, where did that desire come from? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I've been listening to podcasts, um, for since 2015 or 16. Um, I, since I started listening to them, I basically became obsessed with them. A large amount of the time that I used to spend listening to music has been replaced by podcasts. I still listen to podcasts or I still listen to music, but for example, I used to listen to music exclusively in the car. And now I'm almost always listening to a podcast when I'm in the car. Uh, another example is at the gym. Uh, I'm, I used to be exclusively music. Now I'm probably like 50, 50 between music and podcasts at the gym, depending on what I'm doing. Um, so I've, I, I love podcasts and I've always, since I started listening to them, I felt like I've wanted to start one, but I never, uh, I never went after it. I never did it. Um, so just getting myself to, uh, in a position earlier this year where I was focusing more on the, on like how I wanted to design my life and the, and the things that I really wanted to have as priorities for me and what I wanted my life to look like a podcast was definitely, uh, an obvious thing that was, um, I love that it's, you know, there's no barrier to entry. Anybody can start a podcast. And I love that it, I think podcasts reward authenticity and truth. Um, and, and, and I, that's something that I've, I've I, I, like the podcasts that I really like all, I think, resonate in those ways. And the podcasts that I've also really like, I feel like I'm gaining value as I listen to them. Like, I feel like I'm learning, like I'm getting better. I'm becoming a better person. I'm facilitating my own self-development and learning as I'm listening to this podcast. So I love that feeling. That's, that's something that's highly important to me. And that's a feeling that I wanted to recreate for other people because I know how beneficial it's been to me. Yeah. And I know that the impact that podcasts and the learning that I've had from podcasts have had from me. And I want to be able to share that impact, uh, and, and, and do what I can to, to help others. I'm, I'm super into concepts like mentorship and, and leadership and just, you know, just learning about people learning about their struggles and their open, you know, their, their, you know, just being open to, to whatever their experiences are. I think that the best way that you can learn is through, uh, one of the best ways that you can learn is through books. Uh, and yeah. you know, one of the things that I've benefited from listening to a lot of podcasts and listening to a lot of interviews with people that are highly intelligent and respectable and successful is they tend to drop book recommendations um, casually. They tend they tend to say like this is an, this has been a great book or like I learned about this from this book or something like that. Or maybe they've even written books on their own. So 
podcasts have been a great source for me to find and discover new books. And I'm the type of person that if a book resonates even slightly with me, I'm, I'm likely to buy it even without thinking too hard about it. Even if I don't plan to read it, I might just throw it on my shelf. Um, and that's how the effective executive was actually, I bought that book in 2018 and I didn't have an immediate plan to read it. It sat on my shelf until this year, 2022 was when I picked it up for the first time. Um, and it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and so like that, that book, it, like I said, it, that book and the war of art, um, they both come very highly recommended by highly successful, um, and well-known people. So a lot of, in a lot of ways, it's like, I don't have to worry too much about thinking about like, are the concepts in this book valid? Are they correct? Like the book, the effective executive, it came out in 1967. It's had a lot of positive criticism since then. And, uh, it's very well studied and very well understood. So obviously I'm not just going to read it and take everything at face value and say, I should do this, this, and this. And I'm not going to tell people to do that either. But when I'm reading it and I'm being thoughtful about it and I'm seeing what makes sense to me, what can I apply to my life? I, I don't also have to be thinking about, is this even a good idea? Like, does this, is there any reason or logic behind this? Or is this just, you know, some, you know, just something that somebody made up that's, that doesn't stand the test of time. It's like, I don't have to worry about that too much because the book came out so long ago and it's, it's recommended by a lot of people that are more successful than me and have more experience than me. So, yeah, I, I saw it's from the sixties. Yeah. I love it, man. Um, definitely keep reading. I, I mean, if you just kind of look at the most successful entrepreneurs, uh, like Warren Buffett, for example, um, Bill Gates, just to name a few, they always, always read and um, definitely need more of that energy thrown out into society because everything's just kind of, you know, f- super quick, um, you know, just watch this TikTok video or watch this video. Um, I like reading because it, it's like a workout for your brain um, and you should work out your brain um, and not just your body. Um, it's a holistic um, system. A- Anthony, you mentioned your parents, you know, you come from an immigrant background. Can you like elaborate more on that? Tell us about that. Yeah. So my, my parents and everyone in the generation above me came from Lebanon. Um, they came for the most part as young adults. Um, and they, yeah, they, um, they, they wanted to have better opportunities for themselves and for their families mm-hmm. and for their descendants. Um, my dad came here to pursue his education. Uh, he, he, he came here and he studied as a mechanical engineer by himself. Uh, my mother came with other members of her family. Her, her family came as a whole and they, uh, my mother and father met here in Michigan in the United States, uh, although they're both from immigrants from Lebanon. They met here and um, they got married here and started their family here. And yeah, I was born and raised uh, in Michigan and, um, you know, in the home, grew up speaking both Arabic and English. Um, mm. Everybody, like I said, everyone in the, in the generation above me um, sort of was Arabic speaking default, um, you know, Arabic's first language was always Arabic. Uh, and then growing up, it was sort of Arabic speaking default and it sort of shifted a little bit as, as me and my cousins have gotten older. Um, 
but when I was younger, it was definitely a lot more Arabic speaking around the house. Um, and yeah, that, uh, I mean, that had a lot of a big impact on me because I, I just, I had so many examples of, um, you know, people who had come from a different background. I mean, we come from the same background, but their upbringing was so different than my upbringing. Um, and then seeing how they ended up as adults and the gap between what they could have or would have been if they had all stayed in Lebanon versus what they all ended up being by being in the United States and coming here and the difference in my life and the opportunities that I've had and what I've been able to do um, far exceed any opportunities that they had coming here because I was actually born and raised here yeah. and uh, you know I have more advantages than they do and I'm able to take advantage of of the success that they had and the risks that they took. Uh, and so that's, that's obviously all really great. And in some ways that kind of messed with me a little bit too, in terms of, um, thinking about what was, what I should do or, or, or what was expected of me because I was afraid to risk the benefit and the advantages, um, that I had been given because I knew where they came from. You know, I, I understood where they came from and what the background yeah. was. And I understood the difference in the gap, like I said, between the opportunities that I had and then the opportunities that they had because of the risks and the hard work that they did. Right. And so I, it, it made me, I really struggled with concepts like, um, wanting to do something outside of a high paying traditional career, which is what I ended up doing. Obviously I ended up right off college, I ended up, you know, I was, I was studying computer science and I did software engineering consulting, um, you know, and like the idea of taking the time off to focus on myself and my priorities and what I wanted to do is like, well, what are you doing? Like you're, you're, you're letting go of all this advantage and all this good thing that you've, that you've had. Why are you like you, it's like, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. Or you like the idea that you're working on a podcast or something like that. It's like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it, it definitely had an, an, an effect on me and, and it put a lot of, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to perform. And because I, I look at the, the difference in the gap between them and me. And I, I think about, well, what, what am I going to be able to do for the next generation? Even if it's not, you know, even if it's not my own children and my own descendants, just the people that come after me, like, what am I going to be able to put out into the world? And like, how am I going to, give other people better opportunities because of the risks that I take and what I do. So it's, it's, it's impacted me a lot. It impacts a lot of like who I am and my, my, my drive and what I expect of myself. A lot of my drive and who I am comes from that and stems from, from that experience and from seeing, you know, understanding that the difference in the gap in that immigrant experience from, from my family's background and it, it, it shapes the expectations that I've had on myself and that, and that I continue to put on myself. I feel you. The, the thing too is like, I, I really relate. I mean, cause like, you know, we're, we both come from Middle Eastern backgrounds and it's just everyone and their mother. It's like ingrained. It's like, okay, you know, go to school, go to college and go and get a career, a job. And that's it. You know, go get those benefits, go get that high income, go get a salary, whatever. And it's like, okay, well, is that, you know, that's a great opportunity for sure. It's, it beats, you know, 
working at Starbucks um, as a barista or working as a bus as a busser or a waiter in a restaurant. Some may argue um, that it doesn't, but I'm not here to get into that. And it's like, okay, go get that safe, secure job and and don't take any risk because we took all the risk already to get you here. So I kind of see that. I mean, even if you go up to like, you know, when I was growing up to like, oh, uh, you know, it's, if you, they see you're like 17, 18, oh, what are you studying? What are you studying? Default question <laughs> for young people yeah. from old, yeah. you know, fobs. Um, if, if you don't know what a fob is, uh, if you're listening, it's a f- person who's fresh off the boat. It's, it's very, it's kind of like a, I wouldn't say it's offensive, but it might be offensive. Someone who comes from like, you know, a foreign country and, and they're like pretty thick accent and they're just like not from America. We just call them, uh, you know, fresh off the boat or, uh, or a boater. And, you know, that's their default question. Oh, what are you studying? Is like, well, I'm not studying. I'm actually starting my own business. And some, some, you know, usually if you say that you might get some weird look, like what's wrong with you? Like go get a degree. You're wasting your time and your life. And, and I feel that. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not even, you know, it's not even that like, it's necessarily a bad thing to get, to go and get a degree. I mean, obviously you and I both have degrees and we've both worked professional jobs that, that pay us, you know, good salaries that afford us our livings and whatnot. Obviously those aren't inherently bad things, but I think that for me, what I've come to realize and what I've come to try and prioritize more is understanding the difference between doing something because you think it's what you're supposed to do because it's expectations that other people have about what you should be doing versus doing something because it's what you actually want to do and because it's in line with with what your goals are and what you want to achieve. There, there may be things that you will want to achieve that are high priority to you that you really need to get a degree for, right? Like there's, yeah, there, that, 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 that might be the case. And, but it's, it's, it's really about just being clear. And I think that one of the problems, like you said, is like when people are 17 or 18, it's like you go in and you default assume like, what are you studying or whatever? And then for a lot of immigrant families, um, you know, Middle Eastern or, or Southeast Asian or whatever immigrant families, a lot of it is like a specific type of education that they want you to focus on, like, you know, medical school or engineering, uh, or like maybe law school or something like that. But like probably the most commons are med school or engineering. And it's, you know, it comes, it doesn't come from a bad place, right? It comes from a place of like, they love you and they want you to be successful. And they also want you to take full advantage of everything that you have that, that they didn't have. And they also, I think immigrant families also, maybe this isn't true across the board, but, um, I I think that they tend to, um, prioritize security a little bit more, particularly if they came from an insecure background, which many people that came from Lebanon came from an insecure background and, um, in many ways it was insecure. So they, they tend to prioritize, um, that secure income and the high paying jobs and the, you know, the, like, I think it just, it just makes sense. It's logical. Right. And it's, it's coming from a, a good place, but at the end of the day, it's, you can't live your life based off of the expectations that are placed on you from other people. You, you know, that's, or you can, but it's, that's for me, in my experience, that's not a way to be happy or be meaningful. It's you have to truly begin to understand and think about what it is that you want from your life uh, at long term, 
and then do what you can to translate that into plans and actions that that distill down into day-to-day habits. Yeah, hundred percent. I I feel like uh, I I have a lot of um, like just issues with the school system. I, I grew up in the public school system, and and it's like never once did I ever hear the question or did the exercise of what do you want. It's always like oh, like you have to do this, and there's no intention behind anything. It's like. I don't know, for my whole entire career in public school, not once did any teacher ever ask, what do you want? It's like, no, 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 Take this personality quiz and here's the career that fits you. It's like, but that's not what I want. Like, what do you want to do with your short lifespan on this planet? Um, ask that question. Design your, if you could design your life in in every shape, way, and form, every aspect of it in, in, in immense detail, what would that be? Put that on paper and work backwards. And that's never done. It's, it's yeah. never even, I feel like it's never asked. And it's like, life is so short. Why are you going to spend it kind of doing things you don't really want to do? I get, you have to do things you don't want to do all, you know, to, to get to places that you want to be at. I get that, but it's like, should you do what you don't want to do 99% a hundred percent of the time? Yeah. I don't think, I think, so. I, yeah, I think, I think That's the most important. Thing. Yeah. I, I agree with, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the most, one of the most important things for someone to do, especially at that young age is, is putting in the effort and the work to figure out what it is that you want to do. And like you said, the, with the education system, with classrooms and teachers, it tends to be, this is what you need to know. And some of that you do need to know. Um, a lot of that you do need to know, you know, if, if you want to progress through your education and, and like be a, a functioning human in, in, in certain aspects. Um, but there is not nearly enough emphasis on the discovery aspect of it and like really putting in the effort no. to like follow your own curiosities and discover your own interests and see like, well, what, what do I really want from my life? It's, it's very focused. And I, and I also feel that both the uh, middle high school and college systems, uh, but especially middle and high school are very, very, very geared towards putting people in the mindset of um, just getting a, like a normal nine to five job. And for most people, that's going to be you know, that's, that's probably going to be what they're going to do. And what they're going to want is to just go and, and, and receive a paycheck, um, and, and just have that be their day to day and just living, working as an employee and living, living that life. Um, but for many other people who want to do other things, you know, people who want to start businesses, people who want to be creative, if they're, you know, if they're an artist or a writer or a painter, um, any, anybody who wants to do something other than a traditional, or even if you want to do something like as a software developer, which is, you might think of that as a traditional nine to five job or a graphic designer, which is a traditional nine to five job, but you want to approach it from more of like a freelance perspective where you want to just sort of start very small and just build your way up. And instead of going through, you know, the university process, you just get some experience and you build a portfolio and uh, you go that way. It's just, it's just, it's not really, it's not really designed for, 
for people to design their own life. The, the school system is designed to get you to fit and conform into an already pre-designed, predefined life. And that doesn't work for everybody. That doesn't fit for everybody. And it's, um, it's, 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 it's no use trying to get the, you know, try, trying to get yourself to, to fit into the wrong shape. Uh, if, if there, if there's other things that you want to be doing that are more important to you, um, then you should be, you should be figuring out from a young age what those are and, and how you can, and don't even be, if you're really young, like if you're high school or younger, don't even worry so much about making a living or making a career from it. Just literally just follow the things that you really like your curiosities and do the things that you really like that you, that yeah. you find, um, little resistance or, 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 or and I won't say little resistance. Uh, do the things that, that seem to come easier to you than other people that you, that you enjoy that things that you just, you can find yourself just spending time in them just because you like doing them and they make you feel happy and other people might recognize that you're good at them or that you can do something that someone else can't. It's like this, that stuff is highly, highly important. Yeah. I resonate with that. I, I I'm, I'm with you hundred uh, percent. Anthony, just a couple last questions here and then, and then we'll wrap up. Um, and you might've answered this already with what you just mentioned, uh, to the high schoolers listening. If you could talk to your younger self, what would you tell your younger self? Say pre-college Anthony. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm going to call back to something that I, talked about a little bit earlier in this conversation with that. And that's don't worry or think about how other people are perceiving you. Do not worry what anyone else thinks of you. Don't spend the mental time and energy on it. Do the things that are important to you. Do what you want and fuck everybody else. <laughs> Do what you want. Do the thing that is deep within you, that resonates deeply within you, and see what happens. Amen. <laughs> That's real. I really resonate with yeah. that. Yeah. One, one more question for you, Anthony. If there are some books that you would recommend for your younger self to read, um, now or your future self, just any and all books that you'd recommend that anyone should read, what would those be? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to come back to this one that I said earlier, right here, the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. For me personally, um, this book has been very valuable. It's whenever I get into a place where there's work that I need to be doing or work that I is really important to me that I want to be doing that I'm procrastinating, which I guess we didn't talk too deeply about procrastinating, but I'm a huge procrastinator. Um, whenever I, whenever I get into one of those modes and then I start to get self-critical and beating myself up, I just pick this book up and I turn it to a random page, whatever it is. I'll just flip through it, pick a random page. And I, you see, I have, I have some notes in here. I have some highlights. 
whatever it is, whatever I'm looking for, I can open this book wherever and I'm going to get something beneficial. I'm going to get something valuable. And uh, it's written in a very clear way where the chapters are like three pages or less. Some of the chapters are like a single paragraph. And it's so it's very, very clear and very specific. And I pick it up randomly, open up to any page, and then it puts me in the right mental headspace to you know, say, you know what? You're feeling resistance. You're procrastinating. And it's because what you need to do is highly important to you. And you need to use that resistance as a compass and do that work. That's real. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for that. And we'll leave links to everything, uh, all the books Anthony mentioned, his podcast, the whole entire nine yards. You can find all his content. Really recommend it. Anthony, is there anything else you want to get off your chest or, or say to the audience? Well, thank you very much for listening. I hope this has been a little bit valuable to you. If you want to learn more, uh, you can check out my podcast, So-Called Discoveries, on any anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, there's at the time of uh, today, which is November 19th, there are six episodes out. I'm going to keep cranking out content. The next uh, piece of content that I'm going to publish is from someone named Naval Ravikant. And I'm going to be discussing uh, Naval's principles on building wealth and the differences between wealth, money, and status, and the various types of leverage that you can have in the modern economy. So stay tuned for for some content on that. Hundred percent. Thanks, thanks, Anthony, for being on. It, it it really it's awesome to have you on. You're a brother. You're a friend. And uh, you know I'm excited to see where you are in five, ten, twenty, thirty years. Where you'll be. Um, it's going to be an awesome. Uh, ride and same to you brother it's uh likewise it's it's been exciting watching you uh on, on your ride as well and i know you still have a long ways ahead of you uh so I, i'm i'm just as excited to see uh what what happens with you as well <laughs>